Spags, week three is in the books. Lots of notable performances, lots of injuries, lots to look forward to in week four. What else do we have on tap? Uh, we're going to talk some waiver wires. That's what we got to do here on this show on Mondays. We're going to go through all the important notes of all the games that happened yesterday because there were some fun facts for fantasy that'll help all of you guys out. And we'll also give a quick little rest in peace to our guy, Mike Taglieri, one of the greats out there, which I feel like we just need to say up top here. So uh, I Pete, let's somberly hit the intro and then we'll talk more about it. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Splash Play, the fantasy football podcast for every game under the sun. And I am Chris Spag, joined by your friend and mine, the man who's doing content all weekend long to help make you guys some money, but mostly himself. He's Peter Overzet. How are you doing, Pete? I'm doing good. Uh, like you said, definitely a, a big bummer uh, in the fantasy community, losing uh, Mike T Taglier over the weekend and definitely wanted to take time to uh, mention him because him and, and fantasy pros as an extension uh, are such a massive part of the fantasy industry. Yeah, and it is a community here. You know, we talk about it with this show, but obviously the fantasy football industry writ large. And I didn't see it on Saturday because I was kind of unplugged for the day as I'm trying to do and saw it on Sunday and saw really the outpouring of support that was going to Mike's wife, Tabby. And uh, Mike was a guy I did a show with at Osmo. I think he was actually one of the first guests on the On the Contrary show that we did. So he was a very nice guy in that front. You know, it was always, I think, available to everybody in the street that, was, that wanted to do something with him. So, um, you know, certainly a guy that you could probably know the name. If, if you haven't even did know the name offhand, you probably knew the guy and the content he did for fantasy pros but it's a sad day and i just feel like we had to do a, a note here because i felt bad like it's weird in social media like you feel bad missing this, these things in the moment even though obviously like it doesn't matter to somebody whose family's going through this but just to see the outpouring of support pete like i feel like it's it really is a testament to somebody who really did matter a lot within this industry of ours yeah uh, I got to know uh him a little bit doing a couple shows it was uh the I actually think the two shows I did with him were both man's coin uh, or man's interviews. So, <laughs> so I you never got the best of you. That's, I never did a show as myself with tags, but uh, yeah, I referenced this yesterday too, but uh, Denny Carter had a tweet where he said that Mike tags doesn't have a disingenuous bone in his body. And that is, that is definitely uh, true from any encounter I had with him. Just very sincere, very genuine, you know, uh, someone like me who has just a, you know, a cold cynical heart. And we need people like that in the world who, uh, who see the positivity and everything. So yeah, very unfortunate loss and, uh, you know, prayers to his wife, his family. I can't imagine what they're going through right now. Yeah, I think uh, there was a donation going out there on a GoFundMe, which I think they actually crushed by a pretty wide margin. So that's good. Um, so go check that out. I think we can we can see if we could find a way to link it in the description because I forgot where that is offhand. Uh, but we'll do that. So check the YouTube comments down below or the podcast description if you are listening on that format and go support you know support that family because they definitely went through a tough time and uh, and rest in peace to Mike Tagliari. Did the one of the better branding out there for a f fellow person with an Italian name shortened to an AGS version of it. Uh, definitely way ahead of me in that in that one space. I'll say, well, let's talk about another thing, Pete. Now we'll jump into the whimsy a little more. It's hard to 
juggle the, the solemn, serious things with our usual antics. But uh, we do have one little controversy here we have to hit on up top, Pete. And I think this is a spot where uh, we need to talk about your love of the randomizer wheel, your love of predicting things. Put us in a bit of a kerfuffle where one guy thought he won the guest spot, and it turned out he did not, in fact, win the guest spot in our giveaway on Friday. Yeah, I have this bad habit now of when I'm doing these giveaways, it's like I'm watching Price is Right, and I want to guess what name slash number the wheel falls on. What I have now realized is, especially for people listening back in audio, all they hear is me say their name, they think they win, and then they don't realize I'm just guessing, and I am actually wrong, and they in fact did not win, which just makes it incredibly cruel. And so I am not going to do that anymore. My days of guessing who wins are over. And I apologize about that. I mean, it's honestly, it's funny though, because we, we forget Pete, like, you know, we're such, you know, smooth broadcasters. You're doing so many hours that there is still something in the finer points of broadcasting where it's like, yeah, oh, that's right. I can't just say this thing and assume people are following along, but here's what we're going to do. This guy, Zach Berg, did DM us. We also had the two winners of the guest spots. The guest spot tickets is what we're calling it. They could do the show moving forward. So our Calfia and Chris Kennedy were those guys. They have not reached out yet, Pete. So here's what we're going to do on Thursday's show, because we are men of the people and we understand that Pete's enthusiasm may have led to a, a mistake here. Let's have Zach Berg on. I think we, we already decided on this one. Let's pretend we're just hashing out of the show. Hey, Pete, let's have Zach Berg on on Thursday. I would love to. I mean, he seems like a great guy, a huge fan of the show. I assume he'll win a Millie Maker at some point. I say we do it. All right, so let's Zach. Here's the official invite on the show. I'll send you a DM too, but I felt bad replying to this guy's DM and I was like, we got to do something. So we'll make it right here. So that's our first guest spot. Zach Berg will be appearing on the show on Thursday, building some lines with us. And I think he was actually off work this week. So it's really, it's also a marriage of convenience too. Like he's available. He can do the show. That's the best kind of win wins, Pete, where we have uh, convenient for us and also convenient for them. It is. It is. That's uh, ideally all of our guests would actually book themselves. So uh, let's keep that going. And then the other, con I guess, no, let's do a, a quick plug for Football Outsiders, of course. Go over to footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe for just $5 a month. You can hear all about DVOA, which is an important thing out there. You'll hear media people. Bill Simmons, I was listening to his podcast on Friday, talk about a lot about him. He's back in my good graces because he gave a fantastic free plugs of Football Outsiders on his podcast, just talking about uh, some article that our guys over there had written. But uh, DVOA, one of the most important things you can kind of look at to get a frame of reference, really, for everything you're doing on a DFS slate, on a betting slate. So go check them out footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe and again just five dollars a month to get some of those packages for yourself all year long they do content including premium content updates also make sure to go to edjsports.com to check out the matchups pages on there they're doing a uh, hundred thousand simulations for every single game based off of data that real nfl teams are paying for so it's something that i think is we're going to figure out what the best value of it of it is out there for mainstream media and, and out in the marketplace but for you guys now you can see this stuff and really get uh, some helpful frames of reference that are just not out there including yesterday that dolphins race game was one that we had over by about nine points and it actually did, did end up hitting in part thanks to overtime but was just a higher scoring game than people out there had so go check that out uh but pete let's talk about the monday the the millionaire maker winner which I, I there's two things i want to talk about and it's hurting me to not talk about ride or dies because you crushed it this week i need to say i don't know if you know that but you got four 10 pointers this week in ride or dies uh, I knew I was having a good week. Uh, I had a really good DFS week uh, as well. And so it makes sense that, you know, my picks on Friday, that's where I'm really starting to hone in on my plays for the DFS slate. So uh, it's an honor to hear you say that, Spags. And I gave you an olive branch just because I was in such a good mood and I put Melvin Gordon on the thumbnail. I put him kind of stiff arming my head. <laughs> that's how you know I was in a good mood when I do that. 
you know, when you're actually being nice and also ignoring what you're actually doing in the bets, which is crushing me right now, you're making it somehow look like you're the loser and Melvin Gordon and I are thriving, which I appreciate because I'll tell you what, I did not finish fifth in a double spy or whatever you did. <laughs> yes. Uh, we'll, 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 uh, we'll talk about that. And I, I think in our tilt space lineups, we were literally a, a Stefan Diggs for Cooper cup swap away from winning the Millie maker yesterday, but our listener did win it. And I am excited for them. Yeah, the Millionaire Maker winner, once again, a Splash Play listener, doesn't even have an avatar in his profile, but WMM70116, another proud Splash Play listener, just keeps happening every time we remember to go over the Millionaire Maker liner win- uh, liner winner uh, that happens in a given week. They happen to just be a listener, just so convenient for us. But the winner here this week, Pete, Josh Allen at QB, finally having his redemption week. And this is a weird one to me, Pete. It was a double stack with Josh Allen, which is not normally uh, the most plus EV approach with Josh Allen, but Cole Beasley, Emmanuel Sanders, both guys over 20 fantasy points along with Allen himself over 40 and the guy that I picked Pete to be the number one wide receiver on the week Stefan Diggs tell you what he is nowhere even near he's probably not even allowed in the millionaire maker meeting room at this point given how useless he was yesterday yeah so my my lineup that got fifth in the double spy was a Josh Allen double stack but it had Diggs in it uh with Sanders uh we were we had Dink on the tilt space from ETR yesterday he was leading the slant with that same double stack that won the Millie maker the Cole Beasley and Emmanuel Sanders and I I don't have a big enough galaxy brain to do that in small field and single entry three max but um incredibly sharp there and it, it made sense just from a salary relief perspective what it allowed you to do elsewhere but man I have a hard time fading digs if I'm betting on the bills to go nuclear yeah, Diggs has just been one of the crowds so far this year. I think at some point you got to expect him to be a little more of the Devontae Adams, but that has not been the case so far with Beasley and Sanders right there in terms of market share. And also, Pete, I think this is a, a kind of a metagame question for you. Uh, the double stack, I feel like the industry's kind of moved. I know I've moved more to just, you know, a mandatory single stack. Maybe you give a boost to the to the double stack so that second guy can get in, but it's not mandatory. And also the bringbacks. I know people are doing less and less bringbacks these days. But this guy, a double stack with the bringback of Logan Thomas at tight end that ends up being the move and i guess the question i have for you pete is are you still mindful of doing what you know i know is supposed to be the plus ev approach qb plus two pass catchers brought back with somebody on the other team because it feels like the industry is kind of not pushing that as much because we saw a lot of deviation off that last year yeah it's it's i think probably the thing i've been the two things i've been thinking about the most this year for dfs strategy is one like thinking about late swap stuff and where to get your information early versus later what you know using you know contrarian guys later or earlier so then you have the option to go chalky yada yada and then the second thing is how much should i be forcing correlation specifically with bringbacks i'm still very much on board um with stacks but i'm also um I'm quarterback contextual with it. So like yesterday I had a Justin Fields lineup that I didn't even stack him. I think, you know, using, you know, Fields or or sorry, Mooney or A-Rob made a ton of sense, but I wanted to get to other guys. And then if I have like Lamar Jackson or Jalen Hurts guys, I'm willing to do a skinny stack with just one of them. And then most of the time though, I am working in double stacks. Like I had a Russ double stack, I had a Josh Allen double stack. So in general, I am still very heavy on the correlation stuff, I think where it gets interesting is when there's so many insane values on the slate, like there was in week one, where the benefit you're getting from correlation might not be great enough to surpass just these individual values on the slate. 
Yeah, it's an interesting way to look at it. And I, I do feel like it's something where, you know, normally with a rushing QB, you can all you can get away with just a single sack and you can get away with running them naked out there without any sort of uh, player sacked up with them. But I think, you know, just trying to remember the disciplines, especially in the early part of the season, I think is something that's important. So uh, to me, the first four weeks, really the money making weeks, the irony of that for me, Pete, I feel like <laughs> it's pretty strong. I've been getting I've been getting hammered on the main slates and particularly the afternoon slates are killing me every week. And I feel like that was no exception yesterday. But let's get through the rest of this lineup before we talk more about that. Alex Madison, DeAndre Swift, the two running backs here. And I feel like Madison's one guy that we talked about, Pete, where people kind of have slept on him because as these chalk days have happened in the past, he hasn't paid off mostly because of game script reasons. But yesterday he got the full workload that Dalvin Cook would get at least, you know, uh, a pretty good approximation of it. And he himself was a pretty good approximation of what Dalvin was. So Swift, I think, is one of these guys I know you always beat the drum of. But Madison, I just feel like people just didn't pay enough attention to because they just were tired of talking about him being the Dalvin Cook replacement. Yeah. And he, I mean, we've referenced this before, but he had that one game last year where he filled in for Dalvin cook. The Vikings got down. He didn't catch any passes in that game and he was just a complete flop. And so I think again, we see how fragile some of these pass catching projections are similar with Derrick Henry, you know, the narrative heading in two weeks into the season and his entire career was Derrick Henry doesn't catch passes. Now all of a sudden he's catching screen passes. And we saw that with Alexander Madison yesterday, they were using him in the Dalvin cook role and he got a ton of targets. They were using him in the screen game and his price and ownership probably didn't properly affect, uh, reflect his role. Also, a good point here from Nick in the chat, talking again to ETR, doing a great job as well. Uh, talking about the game within a game of the all. Leone and Dink had a great pod discussing this. They found the field was actually under sacking and under on bringing back compared to the top 1% of teams. And I know that's something at Osmo that Osmo himself would talk about a lot as just the core strategy. And I think I think people have gotten a little lazy with it. I know even us covering, I think, it on the show, you just get tired of, of saying it over and over again. But I do think the more you do that, you know, again, the early parts of the year, especially uh, the better off you'll be is something to keep in mind there. That I guess smarter people did the research on already. Uh, DK Metcalf, Pete, rounding out this lineup, a wide receiver, along with Justin Jefferson, two plays that seemed like they were due for bigger days. Metcalf in particular in the first few weeks just looked so much worse than Tyler Lockett in every available metric besides just snap count and target share. And this week it paid off in a way where that didn't flip for Robert Woods and Cooper Cup, but it did flip for Metcalf and Lockett. Yeah, and I mean, this is kind of uh, a a recurring theme for these guys where they seem to be so negatively correlated where one goes off and the other doesn't. And it just seemed like a matter of time uh, when Metcalf had his big game. And I I don't know, uh, I don't watch a ton of NFL other than Red Zone, but watching DK Metcalf go from someone we just thought of as, you know, making the jokes about he only runs in a straight line, just big man go gets the ball, doesn't have, you know, the refined skill set of some of these other wide receivers. And then you watch him, you know, breaking, breaking ankles on a route yesterday, just really crisp route running. He, he is such a fun wide receiver to watch. And you can see why he still maybe hasn't tapped into his ceiling just when you combine his physical athleticism with, you know, his talent level catching up to it. Yeah, the route running is definitely something that does come along a lot more for the young wide receivers. So him, Justin Jefferson, you know, guys that wouldn't be surprised to see them have that that higher ceiling than even we've seen already. And these are guys who already have had uh, monster ceilings. So other stuff around the league, I feel like we got to start with Sunday Night Football. Brandon Ayuk being back on the board, I think is really important. He ran 44 routes, was a top receiver for San Francisco versus Green Bay, which did seemingly hurt Debo Samuel, though he did have 10 targets. And, and Pete, I just feel like for me, this is something that justified a, a preseason take that I had, which is that I liked Ayuk a lot, thought he was 
great for me in fantasy last year. And I feel like this year, you know, really started slow, was kind of in the doghouse. And now it seems like he's firmly back in the mix. And to me, that kind of muddies the water for that Debo stack. And it does make it, you know, something that he's not going to have the 38% of the intended yards like we talked about on last week's shows. But it's a spot for me where this offense, I think, gets a little more potent, even though, you know, we didn't see that fully materialize for them in that, that late game loss. Yeah, uh, the the 49ers are tricky. Uh, I do still think Debo was the smart way to play the 49ers. And I say this as someone who loved drafting George Kittle, who loved drafting Brandon Ayuk, but just knowing that at least right now with Jimmy Garoppolo, they they can't like support all three of those guys going off every week. So playing it the cheapest way possible, I think was smart. But I do still think Ayuk probably has the highest ceiling in that offense. And the hope is that Lance just takes over and all three of these guys can routinely be top performers. But uh, the Ayuk stuff was weird. It was this weird combination of his hamstring injury and just somewhat being in the doghouse with Shanahan, you know, where he was kind of punishing him uh, a little bit. And so it was good to see both him and Trey Sermon get out there. You got to get your most talented uh, players on the field. And it looks like the 49ers are finally doing that. Do you have any thoughts on the running back, Sarah Trey Sermon? I felt like he didn't look quite as good as Elijah Williams did. Definitely, you know, bursting on the scene and looking uh, like a potential world beater. But I thought he looked like a replacement level right now. I know the numbers from college. I think I would err on the side of thinking he was closer to at least above average. But do you have any feel for that at all? Just kind of seemed like he was there and was mostly a vessel of just what that offense is. Yeah, he's a tough one, right? I mean, like he was a healthy scratch week one. And so clearly the 49ers are a little concerned with his development. Then they lose everybody and they have no choice but to thrust him in. He did get all of the uh, running back snaps last night. Like other guys got carries, use check, Kittle got one. But as far as like the running back group, he was the only guy to get a carry. Um, So on the one hand, it's like, I don't even know if his talent matters that much in this offense. As we've seen, the 49ers just cycle through bodies and they tend to perform well. So I don't think it'll hurt him, even though I kind of agree with you. I, I I don't think he's that special. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, hopefully you can make some strides there, but uh, no carry on Johnson, I think was one encouraging thing for people out there uh, who believe in Trey Sermon was not encouraging for my showdown lineups yesterday with me playing a little too much of him at 200 and Yushik was right there, which is just so tilting. But the other side of the game, we had Devontae Adams, 12 catches, 132 yards, touchdown on 18 targets. And I feel like Pete, this offense to me is just one where for Green Bay, you know, one of Adams, one of Aaron Jones in any given situation just seems like the move there because, you know, we saw all the scantling bubble up. He was almost a showdown winning captain, which would have helped my week out with a 10-pointer. But besides that, I just feel like Adams is, is clearly a monster still, even with whatever discomfort there was in the offseason with him not resigning, not getting the extension. But I feel like this this team really more than any, it's like a two-player team. And then you know, obviously Rodgers being the funnel for everything that occurs for those two players. Yeah, I would say of all the players that have kind of surprised me on the Packers, I mean, we did get the indications that Marquez Valdez-Scantling was ready to have a little bit of a leap just by how good of a training camp he had. And that was talk about a steady drumbeat. It was like him and Donovan Peoples-Jones every single day uh, ripping up camp. One of those worked out, one of them didn't. Uh, Tunyon, though, is the guy that kind of feels like he's been left out. And uh, it is everything's just funneling through Rodgers uh Adams and Jones and even AJ Dillon I was hoping would have a little bit more of a standalone role than he does 
uh, it's extremely concentrated right now, which is good for fantasy, uh, or I should say good for DFS, not great for those other guys if you drafted them in fantasy. Yeah, definitely uh, pretty obvious where the value lies. Another game where the value lied would be for the Rams. They beat Tampa Bay by 10 points. Cooper Cup puts up 30.6 fantasy points on nine catches for 96 yards and two TDs on 12 targets. Deshaun Jackson finally has the game that I was hoping for uh, with my best ball drafting. Three catches for 120 yards and a TD on five targets. The question I'll ask you, Pete, now, I thought this, if ever there were weeks to do it, I know the field thought so too. This seemed like the week for Robert Woods and he was not there and Cup seems like a real, used to be 1A, 1B, and I think it's now kind of a clear cut one and two. And, and you can make the case that the combination of Jackson and Van Jefferson might be a more appealing two than Robert Woods. Yeah, I it and intuitively this makes sense to me because unlike Goff, Stafford is really willing to be more aggressive with his throws, push the ball downfield, uh, and you see, you know, Deshaun Jackson getting loose and Stafford can hit him on that throw, although he was wide open, and he he's willing to be more aggressive with Cooper Cup, where I think traditionally we think of Robert Woods's role more as the safety valve guy underneath, and you even have seen that with the tight ends too, where. Uh, Matt Stafford hasn't historically been a guy who's just willing to pepper the tight end all game. You know, Higby is going to kind of alternate in and out. And I think Woods will too. And Cook, Cook, why can't I talk? Cooper Cup, Coop, Coop is the, uh, is going to be the biggest beneficiary of this because he's running those routes in all areas of the field. And yeah, I don't know. He just feels like, I think I wrote this in the newsletter. He feels like this year, Stefan Diggs, the stud wide receiver, wide receiver who gets a slight change of scenery with his quarterback and is just ready to blast off. It just seems like they have the, it seems like Quip has a rapport Quip? with Matt Stafford. Quip. That's all his friends called Quip. That one's not going to catch on. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> I hope so. I hope it does. I hope all of his friends actually do call him Quip with a question mark at the end. Uh, <laughs> Cooper Cup you? though. I, I agree. Like, I think there's something special there. There were some reports too, that they really did work more on their chemistry in the off season. And even Cooper Cup, like, I don't know if you saw the, um, the animation they have. Of course, Fox has those animations of the players. Like Cooper Cup looks fucking jacked this year too. Like he's got the animation had like a real, like a tiny grape head, but then gigantic biceps. And it's like, it honestly was kind of a pretty good representation of what Cooper of what Coop is in real life. Yeah. Uh, I, I agree with that. Uh, I'll... <laughs> <laughs> like I like, I like Coop, and I think we need to keep an eye on him and Deshaun Jackson, I think might make an appearance in the waiver wire segment. We're going to do in a little bit because um, I think he looked rejuvenated there. Probably hard to expect that every week, but he's going to get the routes. He's going to get the routes. The other side, we had Tampa Bay underperforming. Gio Bernard, a weird line, nine catches for 51 yards and a TD on 10 targets. Mike Evans also got 10 targets for himself, eight for 106 on those. No Antonio Brown. And I think, Pete, for me, this was kind of more of a, a matchup-based thing with Gio getting more looks. Mike Evans as well, getting more of a target share. I feel like you get AB back in the mix, and I wouldn't expect either of these things to happen again. And really, I think the Gio part in particular, I don't know if that happens in any situation besides playing the Rams and kind of trying to keep Aaron, Don Aaron Donald at bay. Yeah, I mean, I was definitely high on Gio Bernard coming into the season. I was drinking the Kool-Aid of him being the kind of James White, <laughs> you know, replacement for them. Uh, we also need to find out kind of where, because he got banged up at the end of that game. I I still kind of like the James, uh, the James White, the Gio Bernard angle, because I just want to bet against Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones. <laughs> like, I just, I don't think that uh, either of them are are very good right now. So I still think Gio could really have a role in that offense. Um, so yeah, I, I'm curious on how his health is going to be, but the nine receptions, that that's kind of what I thought he was going to be. 
Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting one. Certainly not great for our pal Pat Corain's best friend, Rojo. Uh, Leonard Fournette also losing some of that pass game work. Seems like it hurts him. And maybe Gio on some weeks, you know, especially ones where they're going to be playing from behind. If you can project that, uh, definitely might be worth looking a little more at Gio, though. I think the AB thing did rise his tide a little bit more. Um, one thing, the one thing I did get right this week, Pete, Mike Williams, is he the alpha for the Chargers now? Seven catches for 122 yards and two touchdowns on nine targets. That upset of Kansas City and thought it was another big game by him. And I think really this is the one thing that I've been beating the drum of that I've been feeling really right about over and over again is I think he is Keenan Allen in this offense. I think they're using him the exact same way, uh, you know, better route tree maybe for Mike Williams as well. And I think if he can keep this up all year as you know, barring injury, which has been one of the concerns for him historically. Yeah, uh, I'm with you. I, I was literally writing the newsletter this morning and I was thinking about how, how, how to word it where I was like, do I want to say that he has flipped Keenan Allen as the alpha? And I think I stopped just short of that where I was like, I'm just not quite ready to do that. I think the thing that's encouraging is his targets in his role is really good. I think his touchdowns right now are bound to regress. He's kind of scoring touchdowns at an absurd rate. Uh, so if you take that out and just view it, though, more through the lens of how they're being used, I think we are in 1A, 1B territory with these guys. Whereas last year, it wasn't even close. It was Keenan Allen was the target hog, and Mike, Al uh, Mike Williams would get some deep shots down the field and that is not the case anymore yeah i think it's something noteworthy to watch here in this kansas city team justin herbert another guy that's continuing to make the strides of improvement that you want to see and um it seems like this team honestly if they keep winning uh might have enough to be able to keep kansas city at bay though we'll see how that goes uh the big special teams play of the week justin tucker beats the lions on a 66 yard field goal off the crossbars uh but pete in this game i feel like the one that i have to really look at because this guy i was so exposed to because dvoa pointed me to his direction um overall the lions a terrible defense i think we all know that even without football outsiders dvoa Marquise Brown dropped two touchdowns and a hundred yards worth of pass production. I think somebody estimated that as being worth about 25 fantasy points worth of production and the Justin Tucker thing, Pete, amazing to see live on TV, but the Marquise Brown thing, I am not going to forgive him for a while. It was incredibly brutal. Uh, I, I was debating in my Lamar Jackson stack, whether to use Andrews or Marquise Brown. I ended up going with Marquise Brown. That was not the correct answer. I mean, left an absurd amount of points. I mean, what do you think? It, it was probably like 25 fantasy points he left on on the table yesterday. So I don't know if there was a bigger tilt than uh, Marquise Brown yesterday. Yeah, he was apparently fourth in the in the league in air yards yesterday, and that's something that did not pan out materially. Also, are you pals with Rick Rungood in the chat? I'm a big I, Rick Rungood fan. I uh, I met Rick uh, in Vegas a few weeks ago. Uh, I uh, also admire uh, Rick's YouTube channel. Got to talk some shop with him. So uh, yeah, great to see you, Rick. Yeah, Rick is a, if you don't know Rick, you should be checking out his work here for golf. Uh, he and, you know, I feel like he's Sal Vetri, some guys out there. We all know Sal obviously he's on the show before, but Rick's channel is one that I remember watching the beginning of quarantine when I was trying to figure out golf because I just needed something to gamble on. And I feel like his channel is really helpful. So I would fully advocate for old Rick Rungood. Yeah. Uh, Rick's uh, YouTube channel is awesome. If you guys are into golf, be sure to check him out. And I'm also very jealous that he just lives in Las Vegas and makes videos and plays golf all, all the time. It sounds like a nice life. There's nothing stopping you, Pete, at this point. <laughs> yeah, there is, my wife. <laughs> nothing at all. Just make the move. You work for yourself, and it's it's just you, I think. <laughs> uh, Christian Kirk and AJ Green, this one, I've Pete, we, we got to dig into. Both over 100 yards. DeAndre Hopkins and Rondale Moore, three catches for 21 yards for Hopkins, two catches for one yard for Rondale Moore, a man that I thought could keep it going. If Hopkins ended up out, I had him essentially making the millionaire maker winning lineup in our ride or die picks but pete this spot for the cardinals 
I don't know what to make of this one. I imagine this won't be the case many times, but it felt like the wide receiver roulette just did not work out for the two players that people like the most. Yeah. Uh, I, my, my take still has been on this Cardinals offense is that they, and this is probably the worst for Deandre Hopkins, but for everyone else, it's a beneficiary. I think they are just going to rotate big games. I, I wrote it in the newsletter. It was like the previous weeks it had been, uh, Rondell, uh, Chase Edmonds and nuke. And then this week it was James Connor, Kirk and AJ green. And I think that's just going to be emblematic of how this offense goes. They're going to score a ton of points. No one's going to really get force fed the ball. And it's just going to be, who are the two guys that really get loose for the big games, which make them, you know, a GPP dream team, uh, for DFS. Yeah, but certainly one to not get too overexposed to, as I'm sure some people were to Rondale Moore after his last few games. Uh, we talked about maybe the numbers being unsustainable, though certainly a sign of a guy with a lot of talent. But you got to see a little more, to me, a little more unencumbered runs or really trust Rondale Moore. I think sprinkle him in, get with the field on whatever owner projections when you do like these guys. But I think, you know, being careful to not go over the field too much in any of them, I think is like Pete's saying, I think the carousel is going to continue. I'm um, in the same game, Pete. I thought the biggest fantasy item for the Jaguars, James Robinson, more alive than Trevor Lawrence, who is off to a really unimpressive start so far but Robinson 15 rushes 88 yards and a TD six catches for 46 yards I feel like he's now the alpha of this backfield and it does seem maybe not quite as game script independent as he was last year where they were tanking and just running out the clock but like James Robinson if you haven't been playing him I think now's the time to get him back into your lineups to feel pretty good about it yeah uh he did look good I still uh am a little worried uh about just kind of his role and in certain game scripts, uh, if he could kind of get phased out. Uh, but the fact that they were, you know, uh, losing and he was still able to stay on the field, I think bodes well. And I think the hope is that Urban Meyer is just kind of done with his, you know, Carlos Hyde tomfoolery, which it's a risky bet to make. But I think it looks like a better bet after this week. Yeah, I think uh, hopefully that's the case. Sometimes it's hard to let go of the past as he as he does with this for his turgid uh, feelings towards Car Carlos Hyde historically. But uh, now is the James Robinson time. Hopefully we'll see him continue to get that work. The pass game work, I think, really encouraging if he can hold that up. Another guy, pass game work was encouraging for Najee Harris. 14 rushes for 40 yards. But I didn't even realize his line. I saw he had the big fantasy day, but 14 catches for 102 yards on 19 targets and a loss to Cincinnati where we had no Deontay Johnson. Juju got hurt in the game. Um, this spot, Pete, I don't know what to make of this other than it, it seems like Pittsburgh doesn't want to throw the ball downfield at all. And the net benefit is going to be going to Najee Harris and kind of that Jalen Samuels role of just check down after check down after check down. Yeah. Uh, I think I I'm mad that I didn't have more Najee yesterday because I think that thesis made so much sense. Uh, Leone got us on him in one of our teams. Uh, but just like you said, the fact that Deontay Johnson was out, big Ben can't push the ball down the field. Uh, Claypool had a good day uh, and I think was a solid play. He's who I ended up playing, but just understanding that he would just be getting peppered with targets and then no one wanted to play him yesterday either set a, you know, a record for rookie targets uh, in a game for running backs. So pretty, pretty insane. And Claypool, I thought, was the one that stands out here, which I would have figured with Deontay Johnson being out, but got 15 targets, nine for 96. And like the route tree for him is not as good as it was last year. He was getting the, the splash plays that we temporarily had him as our mascot, though it's always going to be in our hearts of Robbie Anderson. Splash play Bob will always be the one, no matter how terrible he's been this year. But Claypool, Pete, I just feel like he's being asked to do things that, to me, don't feel like they're playing to their strengths. It's easy to kind of say this as a, as a person doing a fantasy show and not really, you know, in the coaching room. But I just, I hate the way he's being used. And this offense, to me, like besides the Najee part, I just, I don't know that you could trust anything here. 
Yeah, it's it's so tough uh, because all of those wide receivers looked interesting to varying degrees at their ADP, but you also knew that this was a house of cards with Big Ben, and maybe one of them could survive if this offense just fully implodes. And now if you see you know, Najee getting this many targets, these guys really start to get squeezed hard. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's going to be a tough situation and, you know, Claypool, dare I say, uh, still will probably be fine in best ball, but it is going to be really hard to know when to start him. Yeah. Claypool, I think will benefit the more that Deontay Johnson stays out. So definitely if you have Claypool in a season long league, I think if you see Deontay continue to miss some games, definitely roll him out there, but I don't expect him to be getting those hundred yard, like he's legitimately getting 50 yard plays over and over again last year. That doesn't seem like that's in the offense's cards this year. Uh, AJ Brown, Pete, you might know more about this injury than I do, but he was also hurt. So if you have a status update, feel free to throw it there. But Nick Westbrook, Akeen also was the top scorer for Tennessee wide receivers with four for 53 and a touchdown on four targets, which was not great for Julio Jones. But AJ Brown status, was there anything new this morning that you saw? I, I haven't seen anything uh, on him. I assume this is get, we're headed towards one of those things where he doesn't practice during the weeks, headed toward a game time decision where he needs to test it on the field beforehand. It, it feels like one of those messy situations. Yeah, so not great. I, I maybe Nick Westbrook Akeed makes a, a roster on you know for a season long team in a deep league. But uh, did you have any feel for him? I feel like I saw the performance. I thought the plays within the context of red zone were fine, but I just feel like that's not. I think I would expect better days from Julio or from Derrick Henry than I would this guy continue kind of doing any sort of approximation of what AJ Brown does. Yeah, it's uh, it's weird that you know you you would like to see Julio uh, get more involved when AJ Brown's out, but that wasn't really the case yesterday. The offense just still funneling through Derrick Henry. I think he had 28 uh, carries. So yeah, that's going to be tough for, for any non AJ Brown guy, I think to really emerge as an alpha in that offense. KJ Hamler is going to be out for the year with an ACL injury. We found out today. Apparently he's got more injuries in there, but the ACL is one they're pointing to that will have him out for the year. And the Broncos go to three and O on the back of mostly Melvin Gordon. So I just feel like we had to throw this in Pete. He is the thumbnail for pretty good reason, but Melvin Gordon, I mean, potential Super Bowl winner. Can we talk about that now? Uh, Super Bowl winner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Super, Super Bowl MVP Melvin Gordon on the back of this Broncos run. <laughs> wow. I mean, I think you have a better chance of just saying Melvin Gordon's going to be the MVP of the entire league. Cause I don't think the Broncos are going to make it to the Super Bowl. I think the defense is looking pretty sharp. Teddy Bridgewater's throwing it downfield. Maybe they need their guys to stop getting hurt at wide receiver. That might be helpful, but I uh, just feel like got to plant the flag here. You got to do our weekly Melvin Gordon update because uh, I got to say the Mike Davis update, Pete, not looking nearly as good. Cordell Patterson is clearly the best running back in that Atlanta room. Yeah. And again, like I I'm feeling very generous and charitable today. So I will say like, I, I don't think you can read into a lot of the performance of these guys. Cause I was telling people like, I don't think you can panic on pits. Um, his usage is good. I I'm concerned about this entire offense. Ridley is taking a huge hit relative to what we thought his role, uh, was going to be this year. And so I'm almost willing to give Mike, uh, Davis a bit of a pass just because of how dysfunctional this offense is right now. But yeah, Cordell Patterson isn't going away anytime soon. It's to me like Melvin Gordon, Mike Davis, the two guys that Pete and I have our bet on. One of them has to finish in the top 12 for me to win that cool hundred dollars from Pete. I do feel like it's kind of like the Cooper cup, Robert Wood situation. We're coming in. It was one a one B and now Melvin Gordon's clear the number one and Mike Davis is the number two. And it's, it's there's a bit of a distance that's grown between them. Yeah. And that, yeah. and that was all again. It, I mean, now, now to be less charitable and to do a slight <laughs> victory lap, it's just like, it's always so hard to project volume and we talk about how fragile it is where it's like 
if Mike Davis is getting 75% of the touches, he's a smash. But if he's getting 55%, he's overvalued at where he was getting drafted. And that's just how thin those margins are. And the last little game we have to hit on our last fantasy news item that I thought was interesting before we get to the waiver wire snake draft. And then we'll do some victory laps and take the L's and we'll do the ride or die picks for Eagles Cowboys. This one, Pete Nelson Aguilar, Jacoby Myers, this patch, this Patriots game yesterday with the Saints was pretty ugly, but they had 180 and 173 air yards respectively Aguilar and Myers. That is in a game where Jameis in New Orleans won comfortably, but Mac Jones in the spot 30 for 51 for 270 yards did throw three picks and a touchdown. But I feel like Pete, I have to plant the flag now that this Patriots offense might be something just because the defense isn't that good. And also like they're clearly willing to let Mac Jones throw. So I don't know that it means anything right now, but there's going to be a week where the, the Patriots stack, I think is actually something that wins something. Yeah. Yesterday was a weird game for them. I didn't get to watch uh, a ton of it. Kendrick board had that, uh, that nice play, but I, I do think Mac Jones is is good, and I think that he's going to have better days ahead. We saw the Saints defense give Rodgers a ton of trouble week one, so I'm, I'm inclined to kind of give the benefit of the doubt to the Saints defense just being solid and being able to handle a rookie quarterback who's still kind of seeing a lot of things for the first time. Yeah, it's just odd to see two guys from the same team bubble up in the top five of air yards for the week. These guys were number two and number three, I believe, if I'm remembering correctly there. So just keep an eye on it, I think, is one thing to note. Another thing to keep an eye on, Alvin Kamara had 28 intended touches. I think the Saints offense, I feel like, still kind of hard to trust. Jameis getting cycled in and out for Taysom Hill. It's just kind of ugly from a fantasy perspective, but I feel like, Pete, you got to at least think Alvin Kamara, if you were trying to bench him or anything, I think at this point, you just got to ride with him and, and hope that he's going to have the better days. Yeah, I think you definitely ride with him and his um his usage has been great. I mean, he's the only guy in this offense that you can trust right now. Uh so I think you actually feel pretty good about him. Uh I think we ended up playing him in one uh DFS uh lineup. It it, it was hard to stomach it at that price tag when you could just get up to Derrick Henry, but you know, getting studs like that at low ownership is is always a good idea. All right, now it's time for the waiver wire snake draft. And of course, we mentioned earlier in the show on Thursday, we are going to have our first guest from giving us five stars and review an Apple podcast. But if you want to get your guest ticket to appear here on Splash Play on our very lively and fun Thursday shows in particular, go do that now. Leave us five stars and review an Apple podcast. We appreciate it a bunch. Actually, uh, on a show where we have a little more time, I think today we're, we're now kind of tight on schedule because we're still doing the in-depth recaps. But I want to read some of the reviews because Pete, I don't know if you've been keeping up. There are some funny ones trickling in too. People, not just the support and love that that we appreciate very much, but I do think that people mix in the comedy with support and love. That's really just scratching all my inches at once. Yeah. Let me, let me hear it here. Oh, okay. Oh, I don't know. I, well, I said we weren't going to do it now. <laughs> oh, okay. I, was, I thought you were going to do one of the nice ones. All right. No, That's I was fine. just like, let, let, like, let's tease it for the future. No, we don't, we don't have time for that. We don't. Okay. <laughs> It's a tightly scheduled show, but no, we'll do it. We'll, well, maybe on Thursday, we'll have a little more time to read it. But I, I did note a few of them. I just want to give a shout out for people that have made me laugh. One of them compared us to uh, to Schwarzenegger and DeVito and Jr., uh, which I thought was interesting. I don't know which one of us would be Schwarzenegger, which would be DeVito, because neither of us is Danny DeVito size. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't, don't want to. <laughs> I think we'd both prefer to be Schwarzenegger. Can we be Schwarzenegger and Schwarzenegger and twins? I guess would be the other one. Um. 
Joshua wants to know why aren't you on Google Podcasts? Uh, we we can get it submitted on there. Yeah, I feel I feel like we should be. <laughs> no, but I I guess I also only do the ones that matter to me. So that's Spotify and Apple Podcasts. But we probably should be on on Google Podcasts. Yeah, we'll we'll we'll, we'll check that out here. Yeah, we'll get we'll, we'll get back uh, with our behind the scenes folks, uh, which is just me and Pete. Uh, let's do the waiver wire snake draft, Pete. And I feel like I'm gonna I've been letting you take the first pick. Uh, we do this obviously every single week here. We pick four rounds of a team in snake draft format, uh, basically just with the waiver wire players that are going to be available uh, around 20% or less on ESPN, though. we got to have a little wiggle room there. Um, Pete, the number one pick this week has to be pretty obvious. It's Chuba Hubbard, and I think that's that's just how it has to be. Wait, d- did you just steal my pick that you gave to me for first overall? Oh, no, I'm not giving it to you is what I said. I've given it to you the last two weeks. This week, I'm taking it. It's Chuba Hubbard. Oh, I thought you got, oh, maybe it was on our crystal ball one. You, yeah, uh, we, we the crystal ball we just do. That's been all over the place. But the snake draft, you've got the first pick the last two times. And this time, with Chuba being there, I simply can't let you. Christian McCaffrey being out, we know what that means. We know what that meant last year for Mike Davis. Not impressed by Chuba so far, but we are in agreement, though, right? He's the consensus number one overall pick. Yeah, uh, he's head and shoulders the best. He's even a better pick than I think Elijah Mitchell was a few weeks ago where everyone was going ham. And I, I think rightfully so. I still think that was good process. But yeah, I I saw an update today that I don't believe Christian McCaffrey is going on IR, but I still think he's going to be missing two, three, maybe four weeks. And I still think Chuba could be relevant even when Christian McCaffrey comes back just for a game or so while they're getting, you know, McCaffrey back up to speed. So I'm always willing to bet against uh, guys just coming back from injury and being completely fine. And you know, if you're off to a slow start, I mean, Chuba's a guy that's going to be probably a top 15 running back for every week that McCaffrey's out. And that's well worth emptying the clip on the waiver wire for, in my opinion, if you're in a hole. Yeah, I, I would agree with that fully. I also think, too, the fact that it's a hamstring issue for McCaffrey. We also saw him leave the game, uh, I think it was last week, with the calf issues as well. Like, Anything in that chain of the leg for for McCaffrey, like I think, like I wouldn't normally go like, yeah, I agree with your take that for three weeks of him being out, it's probably not worth it. But for the chance that he ends up being out for more, I think, yeah, they people are Nick saying it in the chat as well. I think they said that McCaffrey's going to be out an IR length, but they don't want to put him on IR for some reason, which is kind of odd. Yeah, must be some kind of roster maneuvering, yeah, stuff or, like that. So yeah, that's uh, that's interesting for sure. All right, so Pete, you get two picks in a row here. And again, Chuba, just the obvious number one. So I'm taking the layup here. So Pete, get more creative with it. Yeah, uh, not a, a couple of the guys uh, that I like are just missing the cut. You know, Emmanuel Sanders uh, available in 76.8, Christian Kirk, 77.3. Let's go back, though, to a guy I mentioned earlier with Gio Bernard uh, having 10 targets this past week. I think uh, I saw Nick make a comment earlier, too, about um, – Geo kind of winning, um, winning out with Brady over time, uh, which I think makes a lot of sense because these guys, as we see with Ronald Jones, who get benched when these guys make mistakes or ineffective, they have a very short lease with Tom Brady and Bruce Arians. And I think, I think Geo is going to be the guy that ultimately doesn't make a ton of those mistakes and ends up on the field a ton and becomes that safety blanket. So I think in PPR leagues, especially, I, I don't know if I would be adding Geo Bernard in standard scoring. But if you have half point or full point PPR, I think he's an awesome ad. 
Yeah, I would agree. And I think it's going to be like I was talking about earlier. I think of the tougher matchups with defenses that can sort of key in and make it tough on Tom Brady. I think having him as a safety valve release, especially with Fournette being kind of the pass catching back there, but not being graded like Geo is graded and he's also great at pass protection. So um, I think that's a solid pick, even though I think you got to take some volatility there, though. Could be the James White. Yeah, I think you said that earlier. Like that, that's something to me that I think is not totally lost yet, that he could just be the James White that Brady's wanted here. Yeah, I think. uh I think it makes too much sense in this offense and what it needs. And, uh, you know, Brady at this point in his career, I, I'm impressed with his arm, but he's still not a guy that's just going to be ripping deep shots uh, all the time. He likes getting those easy first downs. He did it for years with Edelman and uh, White. And now I think he will do it with Gio and Chris Godwin. All right. Who do you want on the turn in this waiver wire snake draft that we are? We're quickly depleting the assets of. Yeah, this is this is really gross. I can't like muster any excitement uh, for any of these, but let's go ahead and do fine. I'll do it. I'll do Peyton Barber. Um, I was gonna do it next too. So were you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the fact that this injury for Josh Jacobs just continues to linger, uh, and I, I'm kind of surprised at how it didn't even seem like it was close to Josh Jacobs playing. And so if this continues and uh, Peyton Barber, 23 carries 111 yards and a score. And he, and the thing that was most encouraging was that he was getting work in the passing game. He had 31 receiving yards. They were almost using him as a full bell cow. Uh, Kenyon Drake, he kind of just slid to the side. This is kind of typical John Gruden stuff where he falls in love with a veteran grinder like Peyton Barber. And then you toss in some catches. I think he's worth a stab uh, because if Josh Jacobs misses again, I don't know any reason why Peyton Barber wouldn't be a top 25 running back. Yeah, that was something that jumped out. Why I actually did play a good amount of Peyton Barber on some of the slates yesterday, the afternoon slates in particular, is he, they were trying to give him the ball a lot, even in the limited sample size going into that, where he was getting the ball 69% of the time that he was out on the field for a snap. And then we saw him kind of have a, you know, a similar uptick yesterday. I haven't pulled all the numbers in, but he was also really good in yards after contact so far in a way that not what I would associate with Peyton Barber from the stint last year playing for Washington, where 3.6 yards after contact, it's not the biggest sample size, but like he's been looking good for what he's doing for them. So, Jacobs, I think, has kind of had a, a starstruck last, really last like nine months to a year of whatever with his DUI issues. Now some of the offseason stuff, and now he's just not getting out there. I think would it shock you, Pete, if Josh Jacobs like somehow didn't play another snap for the Raiders? I, I guess that would kind of shock me. Uh, but yeah, I'd have to look into his injury situation a little bit more. But I, I, I know where you're going with this. Yeah, he seems like not beloved by the organization, and they got Peyton Barber doing the exact same thing, and Kenyon Drake, I think, also doing something a little bit different, who's had a lot more pass game work. So just something here. I think Peyton Barber, though, I agree here is a very obvious pick and a very good one. Um, as a result, though, now I don't know where I'm going to go because I didn't think you were going to take old Peyton Barber. <laughs> it's not that using the Pete brand. It's not the brand, but uh, not seeing a lot that I'm liking this week. Um, it seems like, oh boy, I don't know that I really buy into this one, but if we're to believe that the Patriots are going to let the leash off a little better, Kendrick Bourne being available in almost 100% of leagues seems like it's worth the flyer. I'm just encouraged by the air yards that went to Aguilar and to Jacoby Myers that we just talked about. Kendrick Bourne, as Pete mentioned, had one of the best plays on the day at receiver yesterday, but you know, still not getting that much volume. But I think if there's a chance here, this defense isn't that good, these guys can air it out more. I feel like Kendrick Bourne, and, and I'm just going to go take the turn too, Pete. This is ugly wide receiver turn because you took Peyton Barber. I'll take Nick Westbrook-Akeen as well. Just take these guys in the hopes that one of them is worth anything because there really isn't a lot out there, Pete. If, you, if you're going through the same source that I am, boy, I don't know what there is to get on waivers besides these two guys. 
Yeah, I'll do I'll do a guy I wish I had in DFS yesterday, and we'll we'll switch up the position. Cooper and Cup. Say, <laughs> yeah, Cooper <laughs> Cup available in eighty six percent of two man leagues. Uh, Tyler Conklin uh, available in ninety seven point four percent. We obviously know Irv Smith is out. Uh, the kind of narrative for the first few weeks is, oh, the Vikings are going to kind of underutilize the tight end position and feature KJ Osborne and run more three wide receiver sets. Well, then the pendulum swung back this week and Osborne was basically not involved at all. And it was Conklin who set career highs in targets, receptions and yards also had that touchdown. So he and Osborne will probably alternate games, but if you're in that tight end pinch, I mean, after those first, I don't know, there's that tier of about seven or eight tight ends. It's incredibly flat after those top eight guys. And I think Conklin is in the mix of like all of those guys from tight end eight to tight end 16 at this point. All right. You get one more pick Pete. So cherish whatever you're going to get here. (laughs) Yeah, this is gross. I will do, I'll do a guy. I was drafting at a lot of best ball drafts who is now on a different team than when I was drafting him. And that was Colin Johnson. He was released by the Jags signed with the giants. And this is more an injury play. So both Darius Slayton and Sterling Shepard, have injuries um, right now. We know that Evan Ingram isn't a picture of health. Saquon's not a picture of health. So when you have this much fragility uh, within the offense, we know Colin Johnson is kind of a big body dude. Uh, same with Kenny Galladay, also always banged up. So Colin Johnson could just be one of those last man standing type of guys. And you could pick him up now, see what the practice reports are with Shepard and Slayton, and then just throw him back into the mix uh, if those guys are back. And if not, you might have a solid wide receiver three. So here's one that's not quite on the cusp, but I, maybe Pete will allow it. And if not, I'll take somebody worse. But AJ Green, Pete's only taken in 24% of leagues on ESPN, apparently. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I think he should be on on most waiver wires. Now, AJ, AJ Green has been fine. He's been OK, fine. so let's take him as the last one here again, a little bit lower than the 20% threshold we would like, but still 24% roster. That shouldn't be the case for AJ Green. We saw there's going to be weeks that he's going to be the guy that gets the ball outside. Obviously, better defensive matchups. Check the DVOA stats, the uh, defense versus receiver stats they have on there is a premium stat. That gives you the insight there where sometimes a wide receiver one stat, they block that out really well. They'll, you'll see DVOA numbers of minus 50% for some wide receiver ones. If the wide receiver two then is positive. That's where the AJ Greens of the world can thrive. So uh, that's a spot to me where he needs to be a little bit better rostered probably a little bit more rostered than he should be for the segment but uh honestly the waiver wires pete like this is really ugly for this early in the in the year where it seems like really efficient ownership slash rostering for anybody that i would take even as a flyer i'm with you it feels much tighter than in years past where normally you get to week 10 11 and most weeks feel like this and it makes sense because we just have so much information at this point all the best players are stashed. We know what teams are trying to do. And we're basically just cycling through like random tight ends and wide receiver fives at that point. But we're at that point and it's week three heading into week four. So it is uh, it is very weird. So let's talk about the Monday night football here. We got one thing to look forward to showdowns tonight. Some nice betting opportunities as well for Eagles and Cowboys. Uh, but let's talk about the ride or die picks real fast. We talked about it up top. Pete, you did get 10 or not 10. Boy, if you got 10, 10 pointers, you would, I would quit just be the not show. showing up for you. <laughs> so. Taking a mental health day when Pete gets 10, 10 pointers, <laughs> four, 10 pointers, Pete. I, I'll give you a chance here to, I guess, take the victory lap here, but Deandre Swift and the millionaire maker winning lineup is one of them. Uh, you also had, uh, you had Saquon, wait, Saquon Barkley. Is that it? 
highest scoring player in the game. God, that that was really the case. He was the highest scoring player in that Falcons game. That's he was, facts. <laughs> okay, wow. That's... It, my accountant does not lie. <laughs> no, he he certainly does. I did, did double check some of these other ones. This one, I, I actually was one I double checked. Jets Broncos. Pete had the top five scores from the game are all Broncos. Pete, did you know not a single Jet cracked ten fantasy points in that game? <laughs> what? Where, where was it? Like top seven or top eight? No, it was. I think it was top five. Corey Davis would have made the cut after five. You got to five because the Broncos defense also got more. <laughs> Beautiful. I can't believe I snuck that one in. That was unbelievable. And then you got DK Metcalf in the Millie Maker winning lineup. So actually, you guessed two correct parts of the Millie Maker winning lineup. You guessed a running back and a receiver. And if people just listened to you, they could have won a million dollars for themselves. Well, they they literally do that, Spags. Our listener won. <laughs> well, no, he actually didn't listen to you. He That was the one thing. <laughs> the WMM 711, whatever it was, didn't listen all the way. And my one that I got right was Mike Williams, highest scoring pass catcher in that Chiefs game, which... Uh, Mike Williams has been the really the one thing that's helped me out. Him and Nelson Aguilar have bailed me out in this season so far because I, I tell you, the 10 pointers working for you, they are not working for me so far at all. Well, that's the thing, Spags, is see, I had an entire year last year of just shooting half court shots. And eventually, you shoot so many half court shots that you get a feel for it and your field goal percentage actually goes up. So I'm warm right now. You just waltzed in to the, the pickup court and just started chucking from half, and you're just brick brick so you just got to get a little warmed up oh i hate it so much because <laughs> <laughs> you know like, the other thing too last year was like i was killing the captains for showdowns and i think i'm over on captains for showdowns so far because we take we took the ones that i would have been right on off the board and it's just it's killing me I'm, I'm having a real tough run in our picks and i don't want i now like we're the audience is growing pete more and more people are going to know that i'm just a flim flam man here touting and talking out of both sides of my mouth that's right. I got you to play my game, and I'm better at playing my game than Spags is at playing my game. Well, so let's see how it goes for tonight. So hit that like button, guys, whether you're watching on Peachstream or on the Splash Play channel. And, of course, give us those five stars and review on Apple Podcasts so you can be on the show alongside us, also beating me at Ride or Die Picks probably. Uh, but let's talk about this Monday night football game. Eagles, 24 implied points. Dallas has th- uh, 27.5 implied points. The line for the books is minus eight. Edge Sports with their 100,000 simulations has minus eight for Dallas here. So apparently thinking that the Eagles cannot hang in this one, uh, Pete, knowing that here, what do you want to take as your ride or die pick? Yeah, this, uh, this is tough. There's lots of ways, uh, we can go in this game. Uh, I'm always inclined as we've kind of talked about, I know both of us like going with our, our wide receivers here when we're talking. So I will go ahead and go with my guy, CD lamb as our, as our showdown captain tonight. Yeah, I think that's a very solid one going into today. looks like he's getting about 23% of the total yards of the team, which would lead everybody on the team, it looks like. Um, I guess I just got to leverage against you, and I got to take Amari Cooper as the showdown captain. That is the edge here. Not only did you get the first pick in the waiver wire draft, you make me go first for this, and then you try to leverage it. I mean, you're pretty sick. I think, well, then if, what if I had picked first, then I would have also picked CD lamb and you would have gone Cooper then. <laughs> it's true. It's true. So I think that's, it's a vicious cycle we have here. I do feel like Jalen hurts, you know, relative to a, uh, you know, QB captain, they're, they're always overowned for showdowns, but I feel like if you are going to take a QB, a captain like Jalen hurts, who does literally everything in the offense going against the Cowboys kind of feels like he wouldn't be a bad captain either. Yeah. Uh, I was just looking at some of the, uh, the optimal results and it does seem like quarterbacks are going to be the extremely popular, both Mm -hmm. ownership wise and what's appearing in optimals. So I, I actually think that our kind of wide receiver takes Amari Cooper and Devonta Smith 
are probably going to be some of the best like upside leverage captain options. Yeah, I would agree. Osmo has those guys closer to the 10% range, whereas Dak and Jalen Hurts are going to be closer to the 20% range. And I also shout out to Justin Freeman. Of course, I know you are plugging running the Sims a little bit there, but you can give the full plug. But he was one of our illustrious Apple podcast reviewers I saw. So he is not just a man building a brand alongside Pete. He's also he's also a client here on Splash Play. He is. Justin's a good dude. Uh, I've done some showdown shows with him. Uh, tonight, I'm going to be doing a, a showdown cram uh, with Justin Herzig from ETR and own the moment. So if you guys want more showdown content tonight, we'll be running the Sims and, and going through all that good stuff. Anything else you want to plug here, Pete? Of course, people should be following you at Peter Overzet and me at Chris Bags and following at Splash Play Pod. We're going to do some more. I figured out how to do video clips more efficiently, so we'll try to do a little more of those as well as you saw with... Uh, I didn't do your butt, Pete, for the Ace Ventura one. I did the other one because you didn't... I, it just felt weird. You didn't commit to the butt bit, and I also felt so, like I don't know that I want to commit to Pete's asshole in a video clip. I, so my problem with that is I, I was thinking about committing to it, but I would have been yelling like in that direction, mm -hmm. not at my, at my mic. And I was like, this isn't going to translate how well, we you're, you're talking it. out of your butt. So your butt would be <laughs> the one I doing the talk. <laughs> I know. And I'm saying you wouldn't have been able to hear my butt. No, but it comes you. out of your, you don't speak out of your butthole. I thought that was the whole thing. I thought that was what <laughs> you know, did. You're right. Spags. I could have done, I could have sent you the audio recording separately <laughs> and then you could have edited it in post. So it did sound like my butt was clearly talking into the mic. <laughs> would your butt have a different voice than you? Like a slightly. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> I'm Pete's butt. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So now that we've gotten that out of the way, any other plugs? <laughs> uh, no, I think, I think we're good. All right. So we'll be back Thursday. Of course, we are here Monday, Thursday, Friday, two 30 Eastern uh, doing this show. So come join us then. we'll build some lineups. We'll do some more fun. And we'll have our guest Zach Berg joining us. So Zach, uh, check your DMS. I'll give you the details, but uh, we're excited to get our first guest in here. And of course, if you want to be a guest on splash play, give us that five stars and review on Apple podcast. And you can be here right alongside us. That's Peter Overzet. Go follow him at Peter Overzet. I'm at Chris Spags. We'll see you guys again soon. Bye. <laughs>